We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Sunday night after the Timberwolves 121-117 victory over the Chicago Bulls. And it was an exciting one. It was actually it was actually a good game. But the Wolves beating the Bulls tonight is not the biggest Minnesota Timberwolves story on April 11th. The biggest story today is that the Minnesota Timberwolves have been sold to Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie. So we are going to take the first segment of tonight's show to dig into what this sale might mean for the future of this franchise. And I just want to say first that this is developing. It's a developing story and and that these are, you know, that these are just my first comments on the record on this topic and that's just because this is only the beginning. We know very little right now. We know now who the big picture characters are in this story of change but we know very few of the micro details and historically the the devil of the of an ownership change is in the details um i I plan on covering this through the covering the coming months and maybe even years as we gather more information on this topic um i'm gonna myself i'm gonna continue to talk to people who know more than me about this and you know hopefully even have them on as guests on this show I just think it's important that we are able to gather as much as we can on why this move could be something great for the franchise or so we can gather details on why this might be this might be a big change that could, you know, could be dangerous for the for the future sustainability of the the franchise staying in Minnesota. So today to kind of cover that spectrum, I just want to just want to try and hit on some of the basic nuts and bolts. Again, this is not going to be completely inclusive, but generally let's just try and attack the question of what could happen. 
And let's, you know, let's, let's start with the optimistic and the, which is very possible, the optimistic glass half full outcome here. And that's the glass half full outcome is that Glenn Taylor is no longer going to be the owner. Um, those years are over. And, you know, for a lot of people, finally. I mean, while, while Taylor saved this organization from moving to New Orleans back in 1994, um, you know, he's objectively been a poor professional sports owner by, you know, any relative measuring stick. His, you know, often bizarre behavior that made him, in ways, a successful billionaire in his other business dealings has not translated to success in the NBA, right? I mean, that a lot of his behavior has led to why this team has found itself in kind of perpetual dysfunction for decades now. The Timberwolves are the weirdest team ever because Glenn Taylor owns them. Now that said, you know, Taylor's ownership might come with that baggage, but his ownership always also came with a guarantee. And that guarantee was that if Glenn Taylor was the owner, that the Timberwolves would remain in Minnesota. For the risk averse, and I've said this before, you know, the risk averse, those who just want the Timberwolves to stay in Minnesota, the best outcome of this sale was that Taylor would never sell the team, that he would never pull the trigger. Well, on Saturday, you know, the, the trigger was pulled. And there, with that, comes some loss to that guarantee. The, the security is no longer there. There is potential that Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie could eventually move the franchise. And we'll get into the details tonight, future, whatever. But I, I want to highlight that possibility. Not a likelihood, not a guarantee, not anything. Just a possibility. There is now a window for the team to be moved that has been cracked open. The good news is that all of you know the reporting out there says that Taylor... You know, Taylor has said on the record that he's not worried about the team being moved. Taylor has said that Rodriguez and Laurie have said they will keep the team here. And Rodriguez and Laurie will likely come out and when they speak to the media, they will state that that is their intention as well. That is <laughs> the most likely next step of this. The cynical view here is that, you know, Rodriguez and Laurie might not be honest with their intentions. You know, the, obviously the most relevant example of this happening is with the Seattle Sonics, who were moved from Seattle to Oklahoma City about 15 years ago. Howard Schultz was the Glenn Taylor in that situation. He is the, the former CEO of Starbucks and the former owner of the Sonics. And when that sale went down, he came out on the record and said over and over again that Clay Bennett, the man he was selling the team to, was not going to move the Sonics anywhere. That. They had come to an agreement that they were going to stay in Seattle, and Bennett said that he would, quote, work in good faith to keep the Sonics in Seattle. But Bennett eventually pivoted on that, and after he couldn't get the Seattle community to pay for a new stadium, he moved the team to Oklahoma City, and he did it swiftly. Now, there can be more significant clauses written into the Timberwolves deal than there were in that Seattle-Oklahoma City deal, and those, you know, could have a lot greater enforcement on them, you know, that would make it a much bigger hurdle to move the team. Taylor has said those will be in the contract. 
But those clauses are no guarantee. They are a hurdle, probably a really big one, to overcome if this new ownership group does prove to be hell-bent on moving the team. A huge question, you know, that we will have to find out in the coming months is you know, what, what those clauses are. Anything would be speculation at this point. You know, what recourse would Rodriguez and Lori have to pay if they do, in fact, decide to move the team once they own it? What, what do the clauses trigger? It can't just be a guarantee. In any legal document, there has to be a reasonable penalty for that. They can't say, oh, you, own, you owe a trillion dollars if you move the Timberwolves. That, that isn't, you, you can't put that in a contract. Which is to say the penalty, you know, it, it can't be if you move the team, it goes back to Taylor. They will put things in there that will be hurdles, but not necessarily impossible hurdles to overcome. But there is other protections along the way. There's numerous hurdles that they would need to jump, which cut into the odds of a move actually happening more and more. A huge protection is the league here. They would need to approve the relocation. And then, yeah, I think that's the best hurdle Timberwolves fans have going for them. There are, you know, there are many factors that would go into that, you know, into the league approving a move and you know, some of that would be Target Center and the potential to need to build a new stadium here. If if it was deemed that Target Center was too old and that a new stadium needed to happen, I mean, it could then it could be similar to the Seattle situation. But that is so much, so many things have to happen before that. And that's its own political can of worms. You know, if, if Minnesota can provide a reasonable st- stadium and an environment to host an NBA team, it would be a lot more difficult for Rodriguez and Lori to force their way out, even if they wanted to. Another thing Wolves fans have going for them here is that the league is likely to expand in the next few years. You know, a two-team expansion would take out two potential destinations to move the team to. You know, that that could be big as it could, you know, it could cut down the leverage of potential landing spots because there would be fewer potential landing spots. Now, that also doesn't guarantee anything. The league could, you know, the league could expand to, say, Seattle and Las Vegas in the next, you know, five years. And a Timberwolves relocation could still happen on top of that. Again, not a likelihood, but a possibility. You know, expansion does not preclude a potential move of the Timberwolves or any other team. You know, the the league could expand and the Chicago Bulls could move if they jumped over their, all their hurdles. All the... the Counts for all the teams. This isn't just a Timberwolves thing. On, on a personal level, after having really dug into the Seattle, the Oklahoma City move, I, I, I see one big difference between Rodriguez and Laurie versus Clay Bennett and his Oklahoma City group that moved the Sonics and turned them into the Thunder. And that difference is that it was clear that Bennett and his group had trappings on moving the team to Oklahoma City from day one. They might have said all the right things, but there were plenty of examples, you know, to, to point to that those might not be their motiva- motivations. We don't have that with Rodriguez and Laurie. I mean, Bennett's group was all Oklahoma City guys. Most of them grew up in Oklahoma City in that ownership group. A lot of them went to high school together. They were the guys who got the New Orleans Hornets to go to Oklahoma City after Hurricane Katrina, and it was 
their stated goal back then to get a team in Oklahoma City after they showed that they could host the Hornets. And they were, they were just publicly in the news about being a group that was desperate to bring NBA basketball to Oklahoma City. And as of now, I mean, we can't glean anything remotely similar to that with Rodriguez or Lori. I mean, I mean, your guess is as good as mine of where they would even want to move the team if they could. I mean, <laughs> sure, A-Rod played for the Mariners. That doesn't, that doesn't mean he's a Seattle guy. It's, not, it's certainly not to the extent that Clay Bennett was an Oklahoma City guy. I mean, if... It's the opposite, really, for, for A-Rod and Laurie. If, if their behavior thus far has signaled anything, it's just that they want to own a team. They, they tried to buy the New York Mets, and they came up short. But I don't think anyone thought A-Rod was trying to buy the Mets with the intention of moving them. He just wanted to own a team. And that's probably just because owning a pro sports team these days is good business. I mean, particularly in the NBA, it's a great investment if you can pool the funds together. Even the worst NBA franchises are soaring in value as the years go on. I mean, look at the Timberwolves. They apparently are worth $1.5 billion right now. A big question and one we can't you know, possibly know the answer to is how much of this purchase by Rodriguez and Lori is simply about owning a team and how much of it is about trying to make hundreds of millions of dollars. Those are two different things. If they keep the team here, they will likely see that value of their investment grow over time. But it will more likely than not be more marginal. If they want to get aggressive, if they're trying to make a billion dollars, that's their goal of buying a team. Well, then the play there is to try and move them. It's not outlandish to say that if Rodriguez and Lori were to somehow be able to jump over all the hurdles and do all the things over 10 years and eventually move the team to Las Vegas, well, that $1.5 billion investment could turn into a $2.5, $3 billion valuation. I mean, that's certainly possible. Now, it's not that clean. And there would be all those hurdles to get over to make that billion, but it, it would also cost a lot of money to make those hurdles, right? It would it would cut into their overall profit the cost of the movement. You know, one of the costs we know, right, would be getting out of the Target Center lease. Now, the reporting on that is that that would that cost would kind of be a drop in the bucket. It costs $45 million to get out of the Target Center lease. The bigger cost would be relocation fees. It would cost hundreds of millions of dollars to relocate the team. Now, that's a real financial hurdle. That starts to cut into your theoretical billion dollars in profit. I mean, if your primary motivation is making money, moving a team costs money. So that inherently cuts into your motivation some. I think just long story short, it's fair to say that a move would be very difficult and very costly for Rodriguez and Lori. It would be a battle just as it has been for every other team that has ever moved. You know, the time, energy, and resources required would be huge. Even thinking about trying to do that would be, it would be so driven by what their motivations are. And again, that's a factor we don't know at all. 
I would argue the biggest factor why the Sonics removed Oklahoma City is that Clay Bennett and his group of buyers from Oklahoma City were extremely motivated to bring something to their little town. Motivated enough to not only devote that those time, that energy, and those resources, but motivated enough to lie. I mean, they had to play dirty. If you go back and listen to what Clay Bennett and his group said when they bought the Sonics, and then look at what they did, I mean, it is astoundingly shady. Again, I'm I'm not I'm not assuming that is at all what will happen with Rodriguez and Lori, but I do think it's important to acknowledge that there are no guarantees here. People are going to come out and say the right things. They're going to say what you want to hear. They're going to say the team is staying and that that will be written in the contract that they will work in good faith. Taylor's already said that. But I think Taylor's comments have been too dismissive. It's not even He's painting it as it's not even a possibility at all. It's 100% the Wolves are here forever. That is not the case. There are hurdles. But those hurdles, you know, leave a path open. At the end of the day, the Timberwolves are being sold to people who are not from Minnesota. And there's danger in that. Local ownership is a key to keeping a team in your market. That Howard Schultz guy, the Glenn Taylor of the Sonics, the former CEO of Starbucks, the former owner of that Sonics team who sold them to Bennett and the Oklahoma City group, well, he wrote this in his book in 2019. He said, selling the Sonic, quote, selling the Sonics as I did is one of the biggest regrets of my professional life. I should have been willing to lose money until a local buyer emerged, end quote. Glenn Taylor was not able to find a local buyer for $1.5 billion. So he's selling the Timberwolves to Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie, who are willing to pay $1.5 billion. No one knows what's going to come next. Again, I want to reiterate that what comes next could be something great. I mean, Glenn Taylor not being owner, that could be a very good thing. A new owner could not bring not only an excitement to this franchise, but a competence it hasn't had for the past I mean, three decades almost. That was that excitement. That was certainly the vibe around Target Center on Sunday night when I was there. And it was certainly the vibe of the comments from... Chris Finch and the players when they spoke about this before and after the game against the Bulls. I'm going to play for you what Chris Finch had to say about it and then a few uh, a few quotes from Carl Anthony Towns and just what their take is on this big breaking news. And we will get to that after a quick break. said yourself I love the fact that I've had the same pair of sheets since just after college and I've never liked them but I keep washing them every week and putting them back on the bed just like it's totally normal well stop it Brooklinen can make that voice in your head and the bad sheets on your bed go away Brooklinen was started by Rich and Vicky who also tried to boost their home essentials in a way that didn't cost them an arm and a leg and when they couldn't they founded Brooklinen which is the first direct-to-consumer bedding company they work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without luxury level markups. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes. Brooklinen has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. They're so confident you will love their products that they even have a 365-day money-back guarantee. 
And Brooklinen is also so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, they got pillows, towels, loungewear, more. So go to brooklinen.com and use promo code MORE, my last name, M-O-O-R-E, to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more. Plus, you get free shipping. That's brooklinen, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code MORE to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more and free shipping. Brooklinen.com and use promo code MORE at checkout. So again, the vibe around the team and, you know, just myself talking to people at Target Center on Sunday, it was it was excitement. You know, most people thought that, you know, this two-year mentorship window Glenn Taylor has worked into the deal is a bit weird, but most people also just seem excited that this should be a good thing all around. You know, even Glenn Taylor loyalists are happy that Taylor's making this move on his own terms, you know, getting out when he wants to. They're, you know, they're excited for what that change could mean for an organization that has, you know, often flown under the radar. They won't fly under the radar if Alex Rodriguez is their owner. Chris Finch literally called it sex appeal when he was asked about what this new ownership will bring. Chris, do you much of a baseball fan or what do you think? I love baseball. <laughs> uh, I mean, what do you think uh, a, a guy like Alex and his stature can can bring to the table um just in terms of being a, a former professional athlete and superstar and 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 all that sort of thing yeah there's no doubt about it I, you know i'm sure you understand sports at a very high level uh certainly gonna bring some sex appeal to the organization to the city um to the team um and you know we've got uh, just again a, a just the more skill sets and person personality types that you can bring to any kind of leadership group, the more that's going to be reflective in the overall mission. As a coach, um, how do you, how much do you have or, or concentrate on relationships with the ownership level and things? And how much are you just kind of more looking at your team front office and kind of the, the real basketball centric part of things? Yeah, I don't think they're mutually exclusive, John. I think you can do both. I think it's always been my, approach wherever I've been, uh, whether it be Europe or the minor leagues or anywhere else, just to have relationships, you know, even as an assistant, have relationships with ownership. It's, um, it's a, you want them to feel uh, intimately involved in um, the process, the team and everything that goes on around it. You, you know, you want them to be an active partner. Um, so it's been a kind of an open door policy for me. I'm not a type that's going to try to exclude them from their own team. Uh, and, and also again, it, that's, you know, that, that's, uh, that's super high level that, you know, my job is, is, is to coach the team and make the players as best as possible. And so that's my, that's my day job. And that's why I focus 99% of my time on Finch does really seem to be kind of settling in, right? He is now like in the firmament of this organization that, that in first month or so, it, he just he kind of felt like a substitute teacher or something. And that, that. Whatever that was, it, it feels over. He's Chris Finch has become one of the faces of the organization. After the win, he was he was out on the floor chopping it up with Kirsten Rosas and Carl Towns Sr. He even posed for a picture with Cat and Jordan Woods at center court after the game. I mean, I don't, if that doesn't mean you're in it, I I don't know what does. Speaking of this sale, right, is an interesting like wrinkle to this whole Rosas regime. It's only natural with change in ownership to 
you know, to ask, you know, what's going to happen to the incumbent pieces? Will Rodriguez eventually want to bring in his own front office, his own business side? What I think we do know is that the process is going to be able to have the chance to play out for a few more years, right? It would seem that Rosas is at least safe for the next two years through this two-year mentorship window with Taylor. You know, any sweeping changes, I think, couldn't possibly happen without Taylor's approval in the next two years. And, I mean, Taylor's the one who hired Rosas and, by all remarks, is committed to the path that Rosas has this team on. I mean, Finch factors into that, and, you know, obviously so does the franchise player. I mean, and that two-year window is interesting for the franchise player, right? I mean, after this season, Cat has three more years remaining on his current contract. And after two years, when the ownership move finally happens, Cat's going to be extension eligible right then. You know, the Wolves at that juncture in time will functionally be at the same place the Milwaukee Bucks were at with Giannis this past offseason. That will be the time for the Wolves, like the Bucks did for Giannis, to really make their pitch to get Cat to stay, you know, to sign his own five-year extension, to make their Drew Holiday all-in moves to appease him. I mean, the 2023 summer was already going to be a massive one for this organization because of where Cat was at in his contract and now it will include a true ownership change speaking of cat he he was far and away the most excited when he he spoke about rodriguez i mean i i knew cat was a yankees fan but i did not realize um i did not realize how big of an a-rod fan he was cat said he thought of three things when he heard a-rod was the new owner here they are you know it, it was it was it was a crazy moment um for me, I had I had three feelings about it. One, you hear all these rumors about all this stuff and everything. You, I, I think we all as players, especially older players, know that you know if this was something to happen, it affects all of us. So, kind of just knowing that that part is done. Now we could kind of get to some more predictability. Um, that was one way I felt. Two, the second way I felt, I said, "Man, we a rod, a rod, and you know, a rod and." Um, A-Rod bought the team, you know, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, I said, KG, but that's another story, another time, another place. But uh, when A-Rod was announced to be one of the owners, you know, like this one, first thing I thought, I thought about my mother. <laughs> and I thought, I'm looking at Sarah right now, PR, it's going to be a PR thing for her. I remember being, uh, I was, me and my family were dirt, dirt, dirt broke no money at all and my dad worked six jobs my mom worked two but I was always with my mom that's why everything hurt so much because I was un- inseparable with her when I was at school every time I had lunch she came and saw me we had lunch every time after lunch she picked me up we would have our day we would find these random things to do but I say all that to say this I remember how big of a fan I was of A-Rod still am and I remember I went to Walmart and Walmart had just got these new like replica, super off the like off the way A-Rod jerseys. And I was like, mom, I gotta get this A-Rod jersey. It was like $35 if I'm correct. Never forget the price. It's like $35. I 
and she said, "Oh, go go try it on in the in the in the, in the room in the fitting room." So I, I go on. I, I I got. She brings me three A Rod jerseys. I feel like the biggest man on campus. I know damn well I can't afford one at Models. So I know that's too much money for us. But Walmart, I may be able to finagle this. So I go. I go in the fitting room. I try. She goes, "Great, great." Leave it on. <laughs> go around talk Walmart. I said, "You ain't got to tell me twice. You know how bad I want this jersey." And I remember we got to the cash register. We bought like some gross, some um, frozen food frozen food and it was like frozen and they were like that's a nice a rogers i said appreciate you man i was young right out <laughs> i never i have that jersey still to this day <laughs> in my house that jersey meant everything so i wouldn't recommend doing that to the young kids watching this don't do that but if you're struggling and you really like a player I'm not gonna say anything like but third then the third thing was my mom was the biggest J-Lo fan. So it was like, damn, man, I wish she was here to see me, you know, most likely meet J-Lo and get a chance to have a conversation with her. Like, Jenny from the block, come on now. So Kat's excited. He's back to himself, right? And those goofy, long answered. I mean, it's Kat. It's, 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 it's good to see. He's also back playing great basketball. And I know we're not really talking about basketball tonight, but he had another 27 points, 12 rebounds, and eight assists tonight on only 15 shot attempts. I mean, he is pretty much back to that offensive goon that he was, you know, a year ago before he got injured. He's he's the face of the franchise and he's, you know, he's he's playing like a guy who deserves that. I asked him my question to Cap was about the change in ownership and the you know, the concern that might come to some people in the franchise with or within the fan base, because, you know, change can be kind of scary. So here's what Kat had to say. Hey, Carl, um, obviously it sounds like you're very excited about this, this ownership change. Um, I, I guess what would you do? What'd you say? I'm a fan of A-Rod. <laughs> okay, okay. For, it, it's, it's a change, right? And, and I think for, for a segment of the fan base, the idea of change can be scary. And and what you know what it could mean for for the for the future of this franchise. What would, as the franchise player, what would your message to to those people be? Of what's to come. I mean, you know, Glenn did his due diligence. He made a decision he felt was right for this, not for this, not only for this organization, but for this this city and this state. So, you know, we we ask we just ask the fans again to trust us. Trust, trust everything that we're doing to bring this organization back to where it rightfully should be. Um, you know, it's just another adjustment, but it's an adjustment that I, I think that could have a lot of great benefits. And, and, and obviously, again, shout out to Glenn. You know, um, you know, he gave uh, a lot of us our chance to play basketball, especially me. So, uh, you know, got nothing but thanks to him. Uh, but now it's time for us to build something uh, off of the vision he has. Does it does it make you kind of when you start thinking about the future, um, you know, picture what two, three, four years down the road could look like for the Timberwolves? Um, you know what? It sounds it definitely the future sounds bright, but we're not going to get there to where we see ourselves if I don't take care of the present. So I 
say all that to say I'm taking care of what I could take care of right now, which is putting this team in the best spot to win every single night and just helping these these guys, you know, um, basketball-wise and through life. And that's the best I could do. Um, obviously, I'm more, well, me and D'Lo, we talked the other night how excited we are about how good we really are. We just haven't played that well, but we see it. and We can see it. And, um, you know, we've both been in those spots where, you know, a team bottom and bottom in the West for him as well. And and now we've seen ourselves when we had that moment of, of going to the playoffs, that rise, being a winning team, and then obviously going back to losing. But you see the difference in a winning team and a losing team. And a lot of the components we need to win, we have already now. So it's just more about putting it together, getting more experience, and, and helping the young guys grow. I think that's a fair assessment of kind of the ground that is shifting under this team right now. I mean, even outside of the ownership change, the Wolves do feel like they are finally moving in a direction, right? You can kind of you can kind of see the outline of what this is supposed to look like. But as Kat said, there's I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that just needs to happen here in the immediate immediate future. And the fan base just as they always did, you know, just kind of has to trust in that. To trust in Rosas. To trust in that Cat and Delo duo. Trust that this outline is a decent one. And that with maybe, you know, some ownership competence, that this can really be a shift towards something that is not only better, but more sustainable than the state of just perpetual chaos that this organization has felt like it's been in for the majority of the past 15 years. I just, I think this weekend was a big weekend. And whatever comes next, three, four, five years down the road, Whatever comes next has started with the news on Saturday afternoon that A-Rod now owns the team. And I think it's it's natural to have concerns about the franchise, to question what's happening, but that's that's always natural with the Timberwolves. This is a big change. It's it's certainly worth monitoring. I personally I look forward to digging into this more over the coming months. I think the summer will be big for this. But I also look forward to the basketball with this team. And just, it's like the organization is beginning to take a new shape. And this roster is part of that, and it's taking shape too. This is this is going to be a crazy year. It's definitely going to be weird. It's always weird with this team. But weird, I've said this before, weird can be good too. Let's give the weirdest team ever a shot. I promise to talk about actual basketball tomorrow after the Wolves host the Brooklyn Nets on Monday night. Some real basketball things are beginning to come together. I mean, starting with the Cat and D'Lo pairing, I mean, that's starting to make sense. And the pieces around them are starting to kind of Lego their way together. I don't know. Stay weird, Timberwolves. I will be back to talk to you all on Monday night after the Nets game. Until then... I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah.